the crux of the issue has nothing to do with masking policies and whether or not they are beneficial to our communities or whether exclusion policies or vaccination testing policies. He wants to make them about the good and the bad of that, which, again, is a mischaracterization that he does on purpose. The only issue that I've ever argued since day one is how our our system of government is set up to work. And if we're going to implement those types of policy measures, that it's done by the legislative branch of government. It's not done through the executive branch, through some strained pretzel twisted interpretation of some general statute. It's absolutely inappropriate. And he was abusing the executive authority that the people gave him. And that's been the issue for me since day one. It's never been about mass or exclusion policies. Whether those are good or bad, I leave it to the people in the legislative branch to decide. How you doing, everybody? We are on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, 7.50 a.m. This is the Peter Curran Show. Hey, Peter, say hi. Hello, hello, hello. I'm his dad, Mark. And, Peter, we got a great guest today, Tom DeVore. Tom, you're out there? Yes, sir. So, Tom, you know, I was looking at your bios online, and they really don't do justice. They talk about born and raised in southern Illinois, big success in business, an accountant, top of his class. But your recent history is like rock star status, so we got to have somebody update all that, right? We could, but, you know, I my message to people is, is, you know, I don't find myself in that status. People put it there, but I think coming from where I come from, and getting to where I was at in life before any of this started, to for children behind that can follow that, that's more of a rock star status than what's been going on the last two years. That's my opinion. No is doubt about it. So Peter's is a senior at Carmel Catholic High School up this way. Recently, he didn't have to wear a mask to school, only this past couple of weeks. So Peter, was there something you wanted to say to Mr. DeVore? Yeah, I just wanted to ask you a question. You wanted to say thank you for Yeah, I wanted to say thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it, definitely great to not have to wear a mask. But I, I wanted to ask you, uh, how did you maintain courage through that all and, and know that what you were doing was going to be making a difference? Because at first it was, I know it wasn't going your way, but then as of recently, it's been going great. Well, you, you know, young man, that is an excellent question. And that's kind of what your dad started talking about before. When you, when you come through an upbringing like I had, which my parents were not bad people, but they were poor, they didn't have anything, they had broken home, etc., and you find the courage to, to remove yourself from that environment and to move into becoming educated, getting a good job, raising a good family, the type of courage that it takes for people to be able to move through that structure is what it takes. And so to the extent that I found myself in the middle of this, a situation again it, it was no different than what it took to be able to go from you know a kid living a simple life with a troubled home to getting a law degree and going through college first family member ever it's the same thing so i don't think we lost as many battles uh in this thing that you might have been told up here in the northern mm-hmm. part of this I was doing the math the other day i think i'm like 13 or 14 and 3 or something i never kept score but But to the extent that Governor Pritzker was trying to control the narrative in the northern part of our state, it got to the point where he couldn't control that narrative anymore. So, Tom, let's take it all the way back. You were essentially brought into this 
by filing lawsuits regarding the shutdown of businesses, and that was your initial undertaking with regards to Governor Pritzker, well, is that right? Well, the, the, the initial undertaking was with Senator Bailey, uh, who was then House Representative Bailey in Clay County, Illinois. That's where it all started. You know, again, I, I live on Southern Illinois. I live on a farm with my three kids that I raised. As Again, my, my ex-wife and I divorced when I was 12. They were with me most of the time. And I was raising them, and this all started happening. And when I saw what Governor Pritzker started doing, I made it known on social media pretty quick that I didn't have any tolerance for what I saw was an improper use of the executive branch. And I started looking for a client, and I made it clear I was looking for a client to take this issue on. And then sometime shortly thereafter, Senator Bailey found his way to my office, and we got together, and and we started from there. So, Tom, what is the crux of the issue that you're fighting for? The crux of the issue, and again, the governor has always tried to spin that issue to a way to scare people and to to pursue his agenda, and he's he's done that inappropriately, is the crux of the issue has nothing to do with masking policies and whether or not they are beneficial to our communities or whether exclusion policies or vaccination testing policies. He wants to make them about the good and the bad of that, which, again, is a mischaracterization that he does on purpose. The only issue that I've ever argued since day one is how our, our system of government is set up to work. And if we're going to implement those types of policy measures, that it's done by the legislative branch of government. It's not done through the executive branch, through some strained pretzel twisted interpretation of some general statute. It's absolutely inappropriate. And he was abusing the executive authority that the people gave him, and that's been the issue for me since day one. It's never been about mass or exclusion policies. Whether those are good or bad, I leave it to the people in the legislative branch to decide. So, Tom, you know, one of the things that really impresses me about you, I'm a lawyer as well. Okay. Where was the roadmap that you knew where to file, what to allege in, in your, your your motions, and, you know, your lawsuit, and you know, relief that could be available and everything else? I mean, you kind of... This is all first impression, wasn't it? Because this hasn't been done before. It, it, it's all first impression. And, you know, Mark, I don't – most people that know me well and, and have known me since I was a kid and know my background, I, I don't even talk about that kind of stuff much. But, but you know, I, I got fortunate that God blessed me uh, with a couple of things. One, I grew up in a rough family, which I found to be a blessing, so I knew how to fight for myself. And, two, he gave me enough intelligence to be able to think. You know, college was not hard for me. Law school was not hard for me. I've always had the ability to think things through. And sometimes it's a curse because I will find myself 20 hours a day plotting on how to win something. And I'm out. I'm a year ahead of where I think I'm going to end up. So I started this way back in May of 2020 when uh, the judge in Clay County ruled against the governor in favor of Senator Bailey. And I saw the people of this state absolutely do nothing because they were scared to death. I knew right then what I was dealing with, and I spent the next year and a half, two years of my life getting to where we're at right now with my sole purpose of the laws never changed. I've been following the same law from day one, but I had to get the people to not be scared anymore and get them to stand up for themselves and to start paying attention. And once I was able to do that, it was all over. So let's just let's just take that first lawsuit. Tell us one procedurally why you chose where you did. What effect that judge was able to have on, on the law elsewhere in the state 
what jurisdiction that judge had or did not have regarding us way up north, and then essentially what you alleged in that first lawsuit and what relief you were seeking. You know, as far as where it was filed and why, I mean, Senator Bailey is from Clay County, so to the extent it was filed in a Clay County court was solely based upon the fact that the uh, senator was a resident of that county. And, and again, as far as the governor is concerned, is venue is appropriate, as you're aware, in pretty much any county. You know, the suggestion that a case filed in Clay County has limited applicability depends upon the ruling of the court. If you, if the irony that you would find, Mark, is back when we were arguing that in Clay County, the governor and his lawyers were arguing that the matter should be heard in Sangamon County because if a ruling is going to have statewide implications, that it should be heard in, in the hub right there of where all of our legislative activity happens, it's central part of the state, etc. And that was their argument. And now today you hear the governor arguing we shouldn't have one judge in one county issuing a ruling that controls statewide. So he talked out of both sides of his mouth. But but the ruling that was entered in the Clay County Court, again, had more to do with the Emergency Management Agency Act as it relates to the governor's ability to play this fiction, Mark, that he's been playing. And I know we've got a Foxfire opinion out of the second that says that that's lawful. I think that opinion is an error because what's ended up happening is we have a statute, an emergency statute, that the governor has intentionally played games with in order to try to wield emergency power, whatever the breadth of that power might be, we could talk about, but trying to wield emergency power for going on two years. Uh, to the extent that statute allows that, the legislature should be appalled and should rein that in sometime soon. But that's what we argued in Clay County. And we also argued in Clay County uh, the issue of the Department of Public Health Act and what applicability it might have under certain circumstances. And then so when you're, a statute is found unconstitutional in the lower court, it's a direct appeal to the Illinois Supreme, right? That's true. And again, uh, if in fact a statute is found to be unconstitutional at, at the circuit court, it goes straight to the Supremes. But at no point in time were we ever arguing that the statute on its face was unconstitutional. I think that's a fair argument that I'd like to see attorneys make here sometime soon. Uh, because if we're going to have a statute that allows executive to continue to bootstrap month over month over month, at some point in time, you've got an excessive delegation of legislative power. That's not really been taken on in great detail yet. A couple of the cases have raised it, and in the long term, I think that's something that should be ferreted out. So when you won that first ruling back in uh, Clay County way back in May of 2020, essentially you were saying that the, the lockdowns were unconstitutional, right? That the, the, the governor was exceeding his authority that through these mandates? Well, well, what the judge had said down there is that based upon the 30-day limitation in the Illinois Emergency Management Agency Act, that the governor had no authority to issue these serial proclamations for the sole purpose of re-energizing Section 7 of the Emergency Management Agency Act, and that that was in violation. So anything after 30 days, his executive orders uh, were invalid. That's what Judge, one of the things that Judge McKinney said. Right, exactly. So it's it's going to get confusing, and I'm going to try to dummy it down. I'm a lawyer as well, but I, I'm uh, trying, yeah. you know the beauty is that uh, I have you know I'm so busy that I, it's hard for me to follow this. All I know is that Tom Devore does great work, and that uh, you know everybody <laughs> should seek this guy out. So essentially, those initial rulings they tried to limit them to, to down in Clay County, but you know what was the argument they made, and why were they not successful in doing that? 
the argument they made back then or now? Yeah, back then. I want to I want to start off with back then and how we get to now because well, essentially well, the lawsuits well, stem out of the same thing, right? The uh, Emergency I mean, Powers they're, Act. They're similar, Mark. But but let me say this, and and I'll say it, and and you'll make sense of what I get to when I come forward to where we're at today, sir. Is that back during the time that Judge McKinney issued his ruling? None of the legal arguments being made from either side were so certain as a matter of established jurisprudence that anybody understood it, right? Nobody understood it except for lawyers that were involved. The only thing that the, the reason that the governor was successful back then had nothing to do with this legal analysis, but the fact that he was able to continue to scare the people of this state into complying with his executive orders. As long as they were complying because they were scared of licensure revocation or some kind of punitive measure, the law and what it might say or what a court might say didn't matter because he was scaring the bejesus out of them. And so I learned that lesson in May and June of 2020 that these court rulings, unless we get something from a Supreme Court, which is not going to happen anytime soon, the governor has everybody scared with all of that's going on. He had the courts even scared a little bit, and that we had to do a better job of getting the people in this state to stand up for the foundation of how we were, were established and insist that that be followed. That's what we had to do, and it took some time to accomplish that. And essentially, uh, the lawsuits were still ongoing when the mandates were lifted as far as the shutdowns? That what, repeat that, sir? Your initial lawsuits with regards to the shutdowns and the the governor exceeding his authority, those were still ongoing when the governor lifted the the initial mandates. Oh, back in the summer of 2020? Yeah, right. Oh, they're absolutely ongoing, and they're they're still ongoing as we sit here. Governor Bailey's case is still sitting in the court. It's never been gone. But for those who, who have a legal background and a legal understanding, you can have the best case on the planet. And if the people aren't ready for it, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so it has to be the right time. It has to be where everybody has, has, has kind of come to an understanding of really what's going on and get the people's voice really out there in the communities. And once that happens, it has an impact. You know, Tom, I just want to jump in, as I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but I just yeah. want to jump in about that first case with the lockdowns and what the real-world implication was. So the real-world Im- implication was that I couldn't receive the sacraments as a Catholic. I couldn't visit a nursing home when people were dying as a Catholic. They couldn't get last rites. The restaurants I go to, he would open up, and then he would shut, and then he would have 20 people, now 100 people. Now they had to be outside. Now it was cold. They have to be inside. My hairdresser... Mm-hmm. She could only have 10 people in at a time, and she can't live on 10 people at a time. So they were ruining people's lives. True. But, but let, me, let me say this to you. When that was all happening, I had probably 1,000 business owners across 90 counties in this state. And I ask you, how many business owners in the state of Illinois were ever shut down by a court because the governor's executive order was not being followed. How many times do you think that happens? I don't know. Not very much. Zero. How many times do you think that the governor or his state agencies ever took a business to court and tried to shut them down because of his executive order? I think they were afraid, like, the health departments would come in, the licenses... Zero. It never happened. But it never don't they, happened. Tom? I mean, in the re- in the real world, though, I mean, they you don't know why uh, 
you know your liquor license why they're bringing you in on, on uh, liquor violations and what have you and it's it, and then it's you kind watch of, yeah it, it's now you, back up you guys again I, it's sure. important that I make you understand this whether your liquor license at the state or the county level has to do something or not do something is a different conversation than the governor's executive order okay the governor's executive order you know, I had five businesses out of all of mine in the state of Illinois that ever said you can't be open right now because they weren't complying with the food ordinance. A food ordinance. The governor and his administrative agencies did one thing over the course of the last two years. They scared the people of this state into complying. It was all hollow. Right? It. it was all hollow, and I need people. I couldn't get people to listen to that. Yeah. The only people that would listen to that a year ago were my clients. Right when I would finally give them the courage, I was just giving them courage. Yes, just open up. Don't worry about it. The, the county health departments weren't doing anything except for three or four of them across the state. The cities, for the most part, except for a handful, overwhelmingly, any compliance in this state was based upon fear and fear alone. And the governor was peddling that fear. He was peddling it, and I and we're going to get to it in a second. He was peddling the same fear to the school districts. Hey, Tom, let me ask you, and I'm not, you know, we all, there's not, it's not really forum shopping, but if we get a chance to bring a, a lawsuit in an area where we think that they're more likely to uphold the Constitution than another area, I mean, as lawyers, mm -hmm. we, we, obviously we would do that. So was there some thought into bringing it in Clay County that that was probably, there were some good judges sitting there? So zero. Did, no, zero, okay. Can you explain yeah. what the difference between that being a state issue or a federal issue? Well, it's got to be a federal question or it's got to be diversity to get in, in federal court. So there's no That's federal correct. question and with regards to uh, the, the due process protections of the Illinois Constitution and the Illinois Department of Public Health Act are state questions. They're not issues of federal jurisprudence, which is why the governor tried to drag the Bailey case off into federal court in the Southern District of Illinois, threw it back into state court and said, this is not a federal case. How many hours a week are you working right, right this past year? I don't know. I sleep about four hours to five hours a day for the most part. And you're dealing with lawsuits. But, but the, thing, the thing is, Mark, the thing is, Mark, about, you know, again, and it goes before this ever started. Even when I'm not, when I'm awake, and, it, and my kids would actually laugh if you talk to them about this, or my girlfriend, whatever we're doing during the day, I'm plotting. Yeah. Right? I, I, I will be out doing something in the day on my farm, running my tractor or my bulldozer, and I'm figuring out how I'm going to do what the people need a year from now. I'm yeah. thinking out that far ahead and I'm backing into what I got to do today. So, you know, it, again, it's a curse as much as it is a blessing, but well, I'm always like trying I said, to figure this out. Like out. I said before, you know, it, it's all new, that, that it's in first impression. People haven't done what you what you did. And, you know, the, the no. ability to figure out how the heck can I get this into court on, on what grounds, where, which court do I bring it before and what relief mm -hmm. do I want? I knew where I was going to end up, Mark. I knew yeah. I was going to end yeah. up in Sangamon County, where we ended up. Yeah. Go ahead, Angela. No, I was saying back to the real world as far as, you know, again, we're, we're a balanced team here. From, from my perspective, you know, we, we ran into a situation where people who didn't want to get the vaccine for moral grounds or because they believed they had natural immunity or because they just didn't think the vaccine was safe. There were lots of reasons. Mm -hmm. And then we had a governor who was making personal health decisions for us. And we had nowhere to go. We were fired from our jobs, or we were, mm -hmm. um, or we had to have a cancer stick stuck up our nose every week, 
We even know a case of a woman who worked at a Catholic high school, and she didn't want to go along with it. And what they did was they not only did they not only let her go, but they won't even let her get her unemployment benefits. They said that she effectively no. quit. So they won't give her any state welfare benefits either. The governor's got it all locked down. So how's that quitting? I mean, wh- why are you not entitled to benefits because either you think you have immunity or you think your life's in danger by taking this needle? In my opinion, yeah. My opinion is is that the governor was doing everything he could in his power to coerce and intimidate people to do what he wanted them to do, which is be vaccinated in any particular support system that our society might have for people to make their own choice. He was taking away from them. That's why I, that's why I think he did it. It, it, it. Trying to put logic to it sometimes I think frustrates people when you have to just be willing to accept that there are people out here in this world that will do whatever they have to do to get you to do what they want you to do. So that's why the unemployment was being shut off. That's why this, the welfare benefits for some of our people were being shut off because the message was take this vaccine or take this test, and if you don't, you're going to be out on the street with no support whatsoever. It's that's, extortion. That's what they were doing. It's extortion. So you're listening to WSFI 88.5 FM, 7.50 AM, with our rock star attorney guest, Tom DeVore, Peter Kern hosting, and his dad, Mark Kern, and Angela Tomlinson all alongside. You can contribute or ask questions at 224-206-8455. Tom, you got to get the... The scenario that Angela just painted, there's a zillion of those out there. What, what goes into Tom DeVore's process of discerning whose case I can take and, and what I can do? Because I, I, I'm sure your phone rings off the hook now with, with people that are being, who feel that they're being violated. Yeah, well, those individual cases that you just talked about, I, I have thousands of those cases in my phone. And, and what I have to do it's because my general nature, I mean, it's it's part of my upbringing is I want to help everybody, right? If you got a you got a problem, I'll help you. But I had to be able to, to set that aside and realize in order to help everybody, I can't get caught up in these individual fact patterns. I have to stay with the big picture, and I have to be able to defeat these things on a bigger scale in order for it to really help people that are individually being harmed. And, and I have to accept that some of these people that have been harmed I may not be able to help them and individually, but the only way we can help them is we have to do everything that we can from this day forward to make sure this never happens in this state again. Never. These are crimes against humanity, in my opinion. It's a complete erosion of the fabric of how we founded this state and this nation, and we have to make sure it never happens again. How many courts do you have lawsuits against Governor Pritzker in right now? They're all in Sangamon County right now. Okay, you moved, they've all been mm-hmm. moved to Sangamon. So what, what, about the, now. what about the TRO that came out a little while back? Tell us a little bit about that. Judge, Judge Grishow's? Yes. Now, as you guys are aware, Judge Raylene Grishow, who, again, I've always had respect for her from day one, she is the same judge that overturned Judge McKinney's decision against the governor the year before. She also is the judge that gave Governor Pritzker an order a year ago in August, August 2020, saying that school di- a few school districts had to follow the governor's executive order as it relates to uh, the mask policies at that time. Now here we find ourselves February 4th, 2022, where she issues an opinion that says what she says in that opinion, if you read it closely, is the governor is engaging in official misconduct, in my opinion. Yes. That he was intention he was intentionally along with his agencies, doing things to, to strip due process rights away from people and to get around the judiciary 
the evil the law was intended to prevent. That's what she said. That's she used the word evil. From a court. Yes, she, she used, used the word evil. She did. And so, and so again, I think it's important for people to appreciate. She is a well-reasoned judge, right? She's just not somebody that just came out the gate wailing on something. She has ruled in favor of the governor in the past. But on this particular day and these particular circumstances, she called it straight, in my opinion. And she has been watching. She's issued more rulings than any judge in our state on this topic. She's been watching from afar, and she's seen what's going on. And again, I think she got it crystal clear, and she issued that ruling. And and after she issued that ruling, what happened after that is, to me, the most important thing that we could ever talk about in our state in the near future. So, Tom, you know, I, I'm a lawyer, as I said before, and I'm so busy and what have you. But I look at you, and I just, I just absolutely marvel. And I wish more of us did what what you do. I mean, you've taken on the governor's office, and I, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna estimate he's got a hundred lawyers that, that, that work for the governor. He's got the whole attorney general's office. Exactly, and I was about to say that's another, that's another five hundred lawyers. So he's got. It's Tom DeVore and his partner, Silver Lake Law, against you know six hundred plus lawyers. Plus they, they 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 contract out to all the big firms downtown as well. So they they have this this ridiculous budget to just paper you to death and just destroy you. But you're fighting the the good fight. Well, you know what I call that? I come up in the streets, brother. I call that a fair fight. Six hundred of them against me. I ain't scared. Yeah. You know, because let me tell you guys something. What happened in May of 2020 when Judge McKinney issued his ruling? Nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. The people right. did nothing. Right. They stood there in fear. Yeah. Judge Grishow issues her ruling that just merely says, as to the children in this case, as to the 146 school districts in this case, this is my ruling. Right? A week later... Mark, we got 600 school districts across this state, district-wide, said, we're done. Masks are gone. Vaccination testing is gone. That's the people speaking right there. That's not the judge in herself speaking. That's them saying, we're out of here. We've had enough of this. Right. That's all it ever took. Yeah, so, Mr. DeVore, let me ask you, does that does that give you, give you strength? Does that give you hope? All those school districts protesting and saying that we're not going to wear these masks, we're not going to do this, does that give you hope to keep fighting the good fight it's the only thing i've been fighting for and, and you say the school districts i it, the, the administrative bodies I'll, I'll leave them alone for today but it's the when i see seven-year-old children walking in a school people send me videos of their child walking in a school seven-year-old babies saying we're done we're not wearing a mask kick us out make us go home that gives me hope because that right there is what we have to have. If we don't get the... Ch- how are you, young man? How old am I? How old are you? I'm Mark, 17. Senior in high school. You're a, seven, you're a 17-year-old young man. Yeah. If we, if me and your father cannot teach you that there's going to be another time in, the hist- in our history down the road that this is going to come up again. It may not be an infectious disease, but the executive branches are going to continue to try to assert power from the people's voice in the legislature. And you kids need to be ready to fight against that if i can get that message out there then i've won and i don't care about lawsuits anymore i love that setting precedent saying that we're not we're not going to take this we're not going to let people do this to us again i i absolutely love that i think every kid loves that it's the people's branch of government we were founded on the premise 
that the people rule. We're self-governed. The legislature makes the rules. And if our legislative branch wants to pass a law that says kids have to wear a mask in school during times like this, then I tell you what, you will not see me. I don't like that as a, as a citizen, but I will respect it because that's me, that's you, mm-hmm. that's all of us who can vote saying that this is what's best for our community. Mm-hmm. But to take an executive, one man sitting on a throne saying, I'm going to wield this power and I'm going to coerce and intimidate and threaten you if you don't listen, I'm telling you what, as long as I'm breathing, I'm never going to allow that. Right. And exactly. I'll keep on Checks fighting. Checks and balances. And if I, can get, if I can get the rest of you to join into that fight, executives will bend and kneel to the people if the people will just stand up and fight back and do it properly don't do it in a disrespectful violent way just stand mm-hmm. up and say we're done so you're listening people to tom devore tom devore the man that has taken on governor pritzker with all the lawsuits throughout the state the guy that's been fighting for your liberty he is our guest today on wsfi catholic radio 224-206-8455 peter curran spotlight and uh, joined by his dad, Mark, and Angela Tomlinson. Tom, so essentially just I want to give a little background so that the listeners out there understand all this. So essentially the 10th Amendment to the Constitution, the Reserve Clause, those powers not expressly stated in the Constitution are reserved for the states. Historically, uh, health has been interpreted to be one of those very specific powers that are reserved to the states. So that's why you see one state doing something and another state doing something completely different. So we're really in a fight in Illinois that the people in many states, like Florida, for example, they, they, they don't experience any of this tyranny. But we do in Illinois because the Constitution allows the states to determine health policy. Essentially, the, we, we need people to push back on it, and that's what Tom divorced on. And your buddy, uh, Darren Bailey, he kind of kicked things off with not wearing a mask in the General Assembly. And Mm -hmm. the Republicans, the majority of the Republicans in the General Assembly, voted to have him kicked out. Uh, We need this civil disobedience. I mean, this is is Rosa Parks, isn't it? It's exactly what it is. And again, it's not as a grand scale, you know, because back during Rosa's time, dealing with things because of color of skin was completely abhorrent. So I would suggest that they, you know, from my personal experience, what, what she was suffering was even more egregious, but it's course, exactly yeah. the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. We as people have an obligation. We have an obligation to where when we see things that are not right, we know when things aren't right, Mark. We, we don't have to have it told to us. We can feel it, right? And, and what we've been witnessing now, it's not about masks, good or bad, vaccine, good or bad. It's about the executive. The executive doing those things and saying, I'm going to tell you what to do. That is the system of government that we left when we founded this nation, to have governors. Governors not a new concept. Having governors who then reported to kings that would tell you how you had to live your life. We abandoned that 200-some years ago, and we have now been in the state of Illinois under that for two years. And the reason Florida wasn't under it? Because the people of Florida weren't going to stand for it. Now the people of Illinois finally... I don't believe we're going to stand for it anymore either. And, and that's what, why we're at where we're at today. Yeah. Right, I just yeah. want to jump in. I think one of the things that was different in this battle was that we couldn't assemble. They isolated us. We couldn't assemble. You let, you let them isolate you. You let them tell you you couldn't assemble. But go ahead. I'm, I'm going to pick no, on that. Th- go ahead. I agree with you. No, I love that. That's the right comment. We let them. Yep. Right. Sheep. Yeah, but we couldn't, you know, it's really all the constitutional right, you know, the right of assembly, the right of free speech. 
all of those. Because I would tell I would tell people all the time, and even in my church, you know, they were part of that too. And I would tell people all the time, "Oh, we can't." I was like, and I give I give speeches across the state, and I and I use these same messages. I'm like, you couldn't assemble in your church, okay? Go assemble in your church. What are they going to do? Well, I don't know. No, I'm like, explain to me what are they going to do? Exactly right. Or, or theoretically, what are they going to do? They, people don't know. Yeah. But, but I try to explain to them. I'm like, look, it is a human condition in our mind from thousands and thousands and thousands of years of our history as people that we've been ruled. We've not governed ourselves. And so that, that is in our mind, and we have to constantly be on the lookout of this this desire or inclination, even at a subliminal level, to say we want somebody to tell us what to do. We have to push back against that. And that's what we didn't push back against at all enough at the beginning of this. People were willing to say, I, I asked people this, Mark. I said, I was in Rockford, and I had 750 people in a room. I said, how many of you on March 16, 2020, closed your business because Governor Pritzker got on TV and said, I decree an executive order you have to close? Every one of them raised their hand. Wow. I said, how many of you, before you made that decision, talked to somebody that understands the law, the rule of law, what your options were, if you made this decision or that decision, what might happen, etc.? I said, how many of you did that? You know how many raised their hand? Zero. Yeah. If we don't, well, if I we don't that, fix that, yeah, we absolutely. Don't fix that, we're in trouble. Well, you know, I was running for U.S. Senator a year or so I ago. I thought it was hilarious. I, I'd go to the you know, out towards the Quad Cities and down to Central and Southern Illinois, when these edicts were supposed to be in place and everything was open, and then I'd come back, uh, <laughs> I'd come back to Northern Illinois, and, and we all like sheep just uh, obeyed uh, the governor and, and just did what we were told. And I think you know when you live in counties like Lake and Cook, though, you you realize though that, that they're going to come after you. They're going to figure out a way to fine you and just to screw with you. Whereas you know when you get to Central and Southern Illinois. They, they like their liberty a little more. You know, there's there's a little merit to that. I agree with you. and it's be, But again, it all goes back to what people are willing to accept. You're right. Down in my part of the world, I mean, for the most part, even at the beginning, businesses, I mean, they were scared at first. But I, I was very, very successful early on of getting businesses open back up in southern Illinois because I'm just like, you know, I, I'm known more down there than I am up here. But eventually, when I started making it up to Southern Illinois, or to Northern Illinois, that's when things really got going, and when the governor wanted to start calling me the snake oil salesman, reckless roadshow, because I was starting to give the, the business owners of Northern Illinois some confidence to say, you know what, we're going to start standing up for ourselves. So, he called so you a right, grifter the other day. What's that? He called you a grifter the other day. J.B. Prisker Peter is called Tom DeVore. More names than... Uh, <laughs> What's a, I don't even know what a grifter is. What is a grifter, and why are you suing him? Yeah. Are you suing I him, think, Tim? It's like a... Uh, a oh, yeah, I suing him. Like You're suing him? Yeah. Yeah, it's a love letter nowadays from you. <laughs> so, what Tom DeVore, let me ask you, how... You know, the, all this filing lawsuits and everything else it costs money and what have you and and much of the relief you get is equitable it's not you're not getting dollars put in your pocket how do you fund all this my client no 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 my clients recently that have hired that have hired me have paid me uh when i filed the big lawsuit with 146 school districts against the governor each of those parent groups paid me a flat fee in order to bring that case so Good. you know early on for the first year and a half or better <laughs> a lot of this work you know, there there wasn't a lot of money made, but you know, they actually paid me for my time. So I'm 
I, I, there's no issues with that whatsoever. That's why the governor called me a grifter, because for the first time in a long time, what he's doing, Mark, is he's insulting the 700 and something parents that hired me who are intelligent, educated. Well, he's, he's insulting the bottom 90. He's insulting the people he governs. There's a hundred. Yeah, there's 102 counties in Illinois. And uh, yeah. the bottom 88, I won, a, I won all of them. And I, I'm telling you, Tom DeVore walks on water down there. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I don't know what he thinks the, the rest of them are, are if you're a grifter. They, they, they make shirts now. They, they, they got shirts out there now, hashtag grifter wins with my face on it. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag grifter wins. Tom, Love we were it. talking to some of the parents that were parties to the lawsuit up here. It was a strange situation because in Libertyville, for example, when when the kids showed up without masks, they locked them in a gym so they couldn't go uh-huh. to classes. How does that work? Well, again, people can do anything if they can get away with it. I mean, I've seen people ask me all the time, is that legal? And I'm like, nope. Well, and I'm like, but you have to be able to do something about it. I can't wait until all of this is over. And I am wishful that my colleagues that do civil rights litigation come out of the woodwork and they show all these school districts who have been knowingly violating these children's rights of due process after the judge issued her order i hope they come out in mass and start taking action against these school districts that have been continuing to do some of the most egregious things locking them in rooms sticking them in you know i've seen kids in closets i've seen them desk pushed up against the doors so they can't get out i've seen some things that you would never i've seen school teachers grab a hold of children i hope all that i hope it comes home to roost on them with civil rights lawyers get a hold of this down the road so you're listening to tom devore the guy that governor pritzker has called a grifter that's fought all these lawsuits in illinois for your liberty we're on wsfi 88.5 fm catholic radio 750 a.m angela tomlinson and mark kern on the uh, with our host peter curran 224-206-8455 if you have questions or you can contribute tom Sometimes it's like a chess match. So you won. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. So you won with the TRO in Springfield. What's their next move? You're anticipating their next move and what you're going to do. The ultimate question, where does freedom lie in Illinois as we move forward? Well, the ultimate question where freedom lies is the election that's coming up. That's going to be the ultimate arbiter of what the people in this state think about J.B. Pritzker, right? And I would suggest to you, it's no secret, I tell people, but as to this issue of masking in schools, JB knows he's lost. I mean, he's already started the narrative based upon the facts and science this week that these things are going to go away shortly after February 28th. The reason, in my opinion, that he started that conversation is he knows it's over. And so he's trying to control the narrative to where he can come out of this at the end with the best possible political spin he can so it doesn't absolutely put a huge black eye on him for the election in November. That's what I think. So, you know, the courts are still an extremely important part of this conversation. But of the 600 and some school districts that have already went mask optional, I know of 200 of them based upon conversations I've had with a private group, they're never switching back anyway, regardless of the court system. And so to that extent, this whole mask issue is probably over with anyway, as at least it is the schools. Yeah, I, you know, you make a really good point there that, how, but how does he, he's counting on us to have really short memories. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've been living in this totalitarian regime for a while. Here's the thing, and if you listen to what I've been 
saying for two years, Pritzker's banking on people being as fickle as they typically have been, at least in my lifetime, Mark. I'm 52 years old, and when it comes to the elections, people have generally been pretty fickle, and I think that's one of the reasons that we find ourselves in the situation we find ourselves in now is that we haven't quite paid as much attention as we should have. And I think maybe the last two years, I'm praying has woke the people up. And if it wakes them up and they're paying attention, all the money Jamie's got won't buy him another election because the people won't be so fooled this time. Tom, so you've gotten to travel the state a lot. And I mentioned that when I was a U.S. Senate nominee, I was all over the state. And it seems like there's a different DNA for the people that are in central and southern Illinois where they don't live in constant fear Whereas up here, I, I don't, they've been brainwashed. I don't know what it is, but you could tell them what the possibilities of catching this are and actually uh, being harmed by it, and, and it still doesn't matter. They, they're, they're sitting in their cars with their masks on. They're walking down the street with nobody around with their masks on. And, but help me understand what your thought is as to what's driving that. You know, there's many books been written on this type of groupthink mentality that we as people have, right? And how, how we generally find ourselves in, a, in an environment, in a culture, and even subcultures of our communities where we, we agree with each other on those types of things. And so it's a phenomenon that I don't pretend to perfectly understand, but I can certainly see it as I've traveled the state. So, you know, there are people certainly as you get farther down to, to my part of the state, overwhelmingly, you won't find one out of, you know, one out of 10 people that have anything to say positive about what the governor's been doing. Uh, and so you get up to your part of the state. I don't know what that ratio is. I'm assuming it's more than one out of 10. But, but again, I just think it has something to do with, with the environment and the communities that we live in and what the, you know, what those beliefs are that are floating around throughout those communities. I mean, people have a tendency to absorb those things. Yeah, they don't want to upset their neighbor. (laughs) And the group thing takes over. So, Tom, so the listeners can appreciate what Tom DeVore's given us time to be here with on us on Catholic Radio. You're down there with Charlie Kirk uh, today, right? Uh, He's got his own show now on uh, Fox. Yeah, Charlie and I are doing it. Got a bunch of books, too, yeah. Go ahead, Tom. And you guys probably tonight there's going to be a big announcement tonight okay we'll stay tuned for that and you were on with the appellate court earlier as well as no we weren't on we just had to submit something to them about what our thoughts were about what the appellate or the uh, jcar suspension of that emergency rule meant for their review of this current order so we i think i gave a four or five page synopsis of my thoughts mr gerber on behalf of his clients gave his thoughts on the other plaintiff in the case and then the attorney general uh, who, you know, I now call the governor's personal lawyer, and not the people, fortunately, the governor, is uh, he gave his thoughts about what he was thinking it meant. Right. So just uh, the yeah. listeners out there may not, that don't know the General Assembly, don't know what Jay Carr, if you could just tell us, you know, what, what we're talking sure, about. I can do that. Every administrative agency in our state has the ability to create rules. For example, the Illinois Department of Public Health that we're talking about now the Illinois Department of Health is an administrative agency that was created by the legislature to do certain things on behalf of the people. Well, they can create rules that help them further those uh, objectives they've been authorized to do by the legislature. When they create a rule, especially an emergency rule, there's a legislative oversight committee of, of legislators. It's called the Joint Committee of Administrative Rulemaking. 
these legislators on that committee oversee these rules to make sure that they're not exceeding their authority or doing something wrong. And so today that committee took a look at this emergency rule that the Illinois Department of Health had crafted trying to, to make changes to how people's rights are protected in schools, et cetera, all in a response to our lawsuit. The JCAR committee suspended that rule and said, no, that rule is not good. We're throwing it out. So uh, yeah. that was important. And again, the appellate court's also looking at this issue, too, from Judge Grishow's ruling. And they wanted to see if that legislative committee's uh, suspending that rule, how it implicated her appeal or their appeal they were looking at. I worked under Jim Ryan as a supervisor criminal when uh, he was attorney general. And the governor at that time was George Ryan. George Ryan was, you know, under investigation, and, and Jim Ryan was, if he was on the wrong path, he wasn't going to listen to him. And when Lisa Madigan was the attorney general, it was Rod Blagojevich was the governor, and she constantly had to remind him, and it was in the front page, that I don't work for you, I'm independent, I, I'm, the, I'm still the people's lawyer. Yes, I represent the governor's office, but I'm not going to represent the governor's office when it's doing something unconstitutional. I'm allowed to, 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 to discern that myself. Does Kwame get that or what? You know, I'm not going to, I don't know, so I'm not going to say what I believe about the Attorney General. All I can say is that in my professional opinion, the Attorney General has absolutely failed the people of this state. And these issues that we're arguing about here, where the governor was attacking the people of this state, that there was a fair enough question of whether or not what the governor was doing was lawful or not, that the Attorney General should at a minimum stayed out of it. Maybe there's a question of whether he should have represented the people against the governor. And if I would have been attorney general, Governor Pritzker would have had his hands full with the people's governor or people's lawyer, I assure you. But even if, if Attorney General Raul wasn't comfortable with that, he should have stayed out of it. He should have said, I'm recusing myself because I'm not going to get in a fight between my two clients being the, the people and the governor. He didn't do that. And he actually went full throttle against the people of this state. I think that was unfortunate, uh, and I don't know how he, he could find it in himself to do that. Interesting. Tom, are you having fun? <laughs> you know, I like to have fun. On, I live on a farm, and I have cows, and I have uh, toys. i got tractors and stuff like that. That's my idea of fun, right? Uh, so to this, I wouldn't call it fun. I call it necessary. And to the extent that this gets to the point where the people don't need me anymore, I'll go back to doing what I was doing in Southern Illinois. You know, I, I, I'm here as long as they need me. And when they don't need me anymore, I'm going to go home and I'm going to live my life the way I was living before all this started. I don't, I don't need the recognition. I don't, I'm not asking for it. I'm not a complicated person, uh, even though some people think I am. So, no, I, I wouldn't say I'm having fun. I'm just doing what has to be done because my children, your children, you know, grandchildren, I cannot stand the thought of this continuing and going on and when we leave this world, what they might be facing. Amen. You're listening to WSFI Catholic Radio, 88.5 FM and 7.50 AM with Tom DeVore, the attorney that's taken on J.B. Pritzker so many times. Tom, we only got you for a little bit longer, and I, I'm so grateful that you've given us all this time. Peter Curran's sitting here, and he's about to start college next uh, year. Maybe you have some advice to the young people out there why we need constitutional warriors at this moment in time and why when these constitutional freedoms are taken away they never come back do they 
No, they don't come back. And, and again, for your son who's going off to college, whatever profession he wants to choose, and I'm going to be having this conversation with the younger crowd at Charlie's thing tonight. It is imperative that the younger generation find it in themselves to get involved in this concept of self-governance, Mark. Self-governance is yes. where it's at. If we do not participate, this is over and generations down the road. We have to be, have the courage to self-govern, and we have to have the courage to stand up when we know things are wrong without being worried about ourselves, right? I mean, so many people I've talked to in our profession wouldn't get involved because they were afraid how it might implicate them personally. Bingo. We took an oath to the people of this state, and we took an oath to God that if these things happen, we got to fix it, and we need to continue to do that. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful how the people in central and southern Illinois just rally to that so much, and uh, they are so involved. You, you you see it that they're involved in their governing, and if they had one wish, you know that uh, they call them that Eastern Block that Bailey was part of down there. I don't think he was really part of it, but they they kind of adopted him. That Eastern Block, their their hope was that. Uh, we could secede central and southern Illinois from from Chicago because because the liberty that Chicago's uh, doesn't doesn't appreciate. No, I, and I don't think that's necessary. I mean, the, the Eastern Bloc they call him Blaine Wilhauer. He's my representative, and actually, those guys today. I don't know if you're aware, our whole Republican uh, caucus may get kicked out of the House because they've chosen not to wear a mask to stand in solidarity for all the children across this state are out here defending their own freedoms. And uh, to that extent, I support Blaine and those guys. If these babies can do it, yeah. so. But as far as seceding and all of that, I, I don't. I don't buy into that, Mark. I don't. I, yeah. I buy into the concept that we are all Illinoisans, and the people of this area of the state. I believe an overwhelming amount of them believe the same as we do. We just have to give them the courage to stand up and participate too. Right. No, I, I agree with you, and I think there was really only one member of that really was had pushed that but those guys are heroes because like you said they they're not the historical publicans they're not really uh welcome in those circles and, and they're fighting for the people as opposed to uh, something else well the republican party in this state in my humble opinion has not given the people of this state hope that would be sufficient to get them to join their cause I don't know what they're doing, to be honest with you. And to the extent they don't like what I'm saying, I don't care. They don't have a message. They don't have an effort. The people across this state that I deal with don't even know what the Republican Party is all about. They think they're alone. And so to Mr. Durkin and all of them, again, that that find themselves in these positions, they, they need to go talk to the people of this state. And I think they'll quickly learn that nobody really understands or appreciates what it is they're trying to accomplish, and they need to do a better job of, of doing, you know, the things they need to do in order to get this party in a position that we might be taken seriously and people believe in what we're all about. Amen. So, Tom, this is a Catholic radio station, and you're listening to 88.5, 750 AM with Tom DeVore. Could you let the people out there know how God has, has played a role in this fight that you've taken on? And it really is from an outsider's perspective, a David versus Goliath, when you think of the resources on the other side? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. My pastor uh, probably would be better at articulating that for me than I would. He he tells me all the time that he's firmly convinced that, that God's been the one doing this 
uh, and I agree with him. But, you know, when I think about it, you know, the people who are unwilling and not unwilling, unable, really, to help themselves and to understand how to protect themselves and defend themselves have suffered immensely over the last two years. You know, and the governor tries to pontificate that that he's helping them, but he's not helping them. He's actually making them suffer. And so I I, I don't think it's any secret, you know, that God uh, commands all of us to help people that can't help themselves. And to the extent we have the resources and talent to do it, that that we're not doing what he wants us to do if we just said idly by and let it happen. No, that's completely true. I'm looking at Peter Curran, and, and last year I, I went up to a Trump rally where I got to be the guest because I was U.S. Senate nominee. But we went past a football game in Wisconsin where the teams were playing, and, and Peter kind of his eyes kind of welled up with tears. I mean, this is this is who you're fighting for, isn't it? The kids of Illinois that don't deserve this, don't be deserve to be living in a state where they get to play football in all the neighboring states. Absolutely. You know, Mark, my children are now freshmen in college, and I watch them go through half of their junior year and their senior year with these absurd, ridiculous things in place. And so before I, as, or while I was fighting with the governor, I was personally holding proms, holding homecoming dances, and doing all those types of things to try to give these children some sense of normalcy, because I saw how they were suffering and the state leaders, and I, I use that word loosely, were completely oblivious to that. And, and nobody was trying to help them fight. So while I was also fighting in the courtroom, I was also making sure that I could do what I could for the kids in my community and surrounding communities that they had those types of things. Because without these kids, we don't have a future. And we, again, we got to spend a lot of time coming up, Mark, trying to figure out how to help these babies this learning has been impacted, you know, not being able to learn for the last two years and some of the social trauma they've suffered. It's going to be something we're going to be trying to figure out as adults for a long time. And I think all of us in some fashion need to be ashamed of ourselves, what we've done to these children. Hey, Tom, is there any last message you'd give to the people out there that you've brought such a message of hope here today? I just, I just need them to do uh, all it takes, whatever part they can play in helping to self-govern, whether it's a precinct committeeman, whether it's, you know, a local elected official of some sort at any level. And I don't care what party they're from or what their beliefs are. They need to participate in self-governance. We cannot erode or walk away from the foundation of how we govern. The people govern yes. and the executive follows along and to the extent we can all make sure that that's how we govern ourselves in the future we'll be fine but we can't we can't get away from that hey peter curran could you lead us in a prayer as we, we ask the listeners out there to pray for tom devore the great attorney that's taken on liberty on behalf of the people of the state of illinois why don't we make it in our father peter if you would okay. our father Lord in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Call upon the intercession of all the saints in heaven and all our listeners out there to pray for Tom DeVore. Thank you, Tom DeVore. You, you're, Thank you're, you, sir. You're a great guy. And, and keep, keep the fight, buddy. I hope you get rest. I'm trying. Okay. Okay.